Unstoppable Success Radio, Episode 352. I'm Kelly Roach, and you are listening to Unstoppable Success Radio, the podcast for achievers, believers, dreamers, and doers who want to build a profitable, sustainable business around a life of purpose, fulfillment, freedom, and family. Now let's get down to business. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio. I am your host, Kelly Roach, and I am thrilled to have with me here today, Derek Lavasser. Derek, welcome to the show. Kelly, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Excited to have you here. So for all of our listeners, in case you didn't get a chance to catch Derek on the CBS hit Big Brother, he was a star. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But he has this incredible background uh, doing investigative work. He is a decorated police sergeant from Central Falls, Rhode Island, and he spent three years as an undercover detective. Now he's out there in the world not only doing work with television, but he's written this unbelievable book called The Undercover Edge. And This book is all about helping us real world people learn to leverage these detective skills that he built um, during his time in the force to find your strengths, to learn to adapt, to build confidence and really win the the game of life. So Derek, I am thrilled to have you here. Welcome. No, thank you for having me. I've I've seen what you've done with your show and I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it. Absolutely. So first of all, you have this really interesting career trajectory here. So talk <laughs> me through how we went from here to there to where you are now, um, because I'm sure there's some some interesting things there. And then we'll talk a little bit about the book. Well, I mean, I think we need a longer podcast. I know, honestly. I know. Um, to the, the really quick version here, the really quick version is I was, you know, I got on the police department at 20 years old. Because of my look and my upbringing, I had an, uh, an interesting way of communicating with people. I had a knack for undercover work, so I went undercover. While I was undercover, I saw the show called Big Brother, and I always said to my girlfriend, now wife, you know, I think I'd be good at that show. It's basically what I do every day. She said, yeah, right. <laughs> Fast forward a few years later to when I'm 30. Um, I said, you know what? I'm going to apply one time and see what happens. Because to me, Big Brother was more than a reality show. It was a social experiment. And what I saw in that house was a lot to the same things you see in real world applications, both at work and at home. You're put in situations with people you don't know, and you have to find commonalities based on communication. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is, and I'm going to prove that this approach that I have to life really works. I went in the house. I won. Um, and after the show, um, some things changed. Definitely. Um, I had a lot of people asking me what my big brother strategy was. And the, and the truth was I didn't have one. What I had was an approach derived from my personal and professional experience at, you know, as an undercover detective and my upbringing. And what I was able to do is modify those skills and experiences that I learned while working in investigations to work in any environment, whether it's personal or professional. So whether you're an entry level employee, a new co- a college student, or you're fortunate enough to be in a managerial role, you can use the same skills and techniques that I learned in interviews and interrogations and undercover in your own life the same way I did on Big Brother. And, and it's also the way you see I use them a lot of those investigation experiences now on the Discovery ID show. That's 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 what I do. That is very, very fascinating, and I can't wait to dig more into that. And just uh, another thing I didn't share at the beginning, so you also were starring in the Investigation Discovery hit, the docuseries is OJ Innocent. Um, So you took it to the next level there. So you brought this kind of real-world experience that you had to the show, you won, uh, Big Brother, uh, and, and then, you know, how did you decide on kind of where you wanted to go and what you wanted to do next from there? Like, 
Yeah. So, so first, let me clear up. So, the is OJ innocent? Because everybody says and goes, I was the investigator saying he wasn't innocent. Just for your listeners. Yeah. Okay, good. Like, good. That's this big. And I have a new show coming out April fifteenth called Breaking Homicide. So everyone's got to check that out. But um, and that's on ID as well. It's kind of the continuance of OJ, uh, the missing evidence. So, um, that's pretty big. But yeah. So essentially, after Big Brother. Um, I was planning on coming back home. I won $575,000. I planned on coming back home and working, which I did. I, I went back to being a cop, but these opportunities came as far as, you know, discovery ID. And, and then I had, like I said, I had a lot of people wanting me to explain how I won big brother. Like what was the, the strategy I developed and, and, and I didn't have one. So I said, you know, I'll talk about it, but people wanted more. And what I realized is there was an approach that was developed way before I even became a cop. And it was kind of just the way I conducted myself, the way I read people. And, and what I did was I went back to school and I got my graduate degree in management because I wanted to diversify myself and understand the other side of the, the aisle, you know, because mm-hmm, I'm in law mm-hmm. enforcement. It's paramilitary. I wanted to see if there were any, any you know, common uh, commonalities between what I did for a living in this paramilitary organization and a business world. And what I found was that there are, you know, yes, the goals and objectives are different. But the infrastructure and the way we communicate with each other as team members is very similar. And essentially, that's when the light bulb hit me. I said, you know what? Nobody's doing this yet. You know, I, I think I can take what we do in, in police work and adapt it to work not only socially, but personally, and uh, but professionally as well. Because in the business world, again, in a lot of avenues, it's about understanding the people around you and being able to adapt to the situation and communicate with them effectively in order to create success. So that's what I'm trying to convey here is that you can take what I did in these advanced schools with the FBI and DEA and apply them in your own life with the people around you at home and at work. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dig into some of the principles that you feel are essential that you learned from the investigative and detective work that you did that you used on Big Brother. Like, can we get into a couple of the specific techniques or strategies? Right. Well, there, there's a lot to it. And, and again, the book itself is, and we're going to skip over the first half, but the f- book itself, I, I feel is a complete approach. So I start the book by talking about defining yourself, defining those around you and, and establishing a solid home life, a solid headquarters, which is your, your health, wealth, and family. That's kind of the foundational stuff. And then the book transitions to the more sexy stuff, the stuff that people are like, Ooh, like what do these, what do these detectives do and use to get, you know, to get to the truth, to find out if someone's anxious or, 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 or lying and all that stuff, all the stuff you see on TV and the movies. Um, and the book's whole premise is three main components, observation, adaptation, and communication. Being able to observe the people around you by developing a profile will allow you to find out what makes them nervous, what motivates them, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, what do they value in you? And, and, and that's the first aspect of it. And that's about defining a profile as far as whether it's a person or an organization. So what I'll say to that, if you want me to give examples, I don't know how in depth you want me to go here. No, keep going. This is amazing. Okay. I'm loving okay. it. Okay. So, loving so, it. so two examples I'll give and they're in their book is from a personal perspective and you're in the business world, you know how it goes. So you're a person, you're selling a product. You meet with someone who you're trying to sell that product to this client. And they mention to you that they have a, a daughter getting ready for medical school. They decide ultimately not to buy the product. However, a year later, you come back to them and there's you and another competitor and you're both selling the same product at the same price with the same incentives. However, during that conversation of you revisiting with them, you remembered that their person, their daughter was going to medical school. So you say to them, hey, how's Becky doing with medical school? Just a quick thing, just to show that you remembered their conversation. It was more than just a sale with everything else being the same. If you're that client, who are you going with? 
Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's making it more personal. And again, it sounds like common sense, but a lot of people lack this and forget about it because they're so concentrated on making the sale. Another example I'll give, which is a big one, is interviewing for new jobs, whether you're a college student or just somebody changing careers. A lot of times people will go into a job and highlight their strongest attributes. There's nothing wrong with that. My approach is different. What I would do is with that organization, I would develop a profile on them. I would do research. What's their mission statement? What's their core values? What are some of the philanthropic efforts that they put, you know, put money into? And then I would see what attributes I possess that are in line with those same philosophies. And I would highlight them during the interview, making me more enticing as an employee because my values and goals and attributes are more in line with the company's makeup. That's what you want to do. I'm, I'm personalizing my answers to the organization or person that I'm in front of. And it makes it more effective as enticing them to want to employ you. That's, that's my approach to it is being proactive in your preparation, but reactive in their, in their questions. Love it. I love it. So you're actually taking the time to assess the person standing in front of you and respond appropriately based on them, not just being kind of in your own headspace essentially. Right. It's, it's about being self-aware. And again, you just hit on the second point, which is adaptation, right? So once you observe and you understand and, and observe observation, we're going very macro level here. We're talking, we're, we're 36,000 feet, but I go into body language as far as the verbal and nonverbal cues of display. So eye movement, hand gestures, posture, um, their tone and intonation, their inflections in their voice to find out a baseline for them as a person and then to develop tells with each individual so that you can better communicate with them more effectively by adapting the way you speak with them. So again, we're going 36,000 feet here. All the details as far as some of this advanced schools that I went to that actually dive into the psychological aspects of how people react subconsciously, both you know verbal and nonverbal, it's all in there. But again, we're 36,000 feet here. So we're adapting to what we the information we receive to be more effective to that individual or that group, whatever, whatever your objective is. And then finally, the way you communicate that information, your, your, your confidence in your voice, the delivery, the, the way you're phrasing things to be in line with their motivation. So if you know a person is motivated by promotion or, or, or monetary value, you can frame whatever direction you're giving them in a way that's enticing to them as an individual, which will ultimately help out the group as well. Yeah, no, I, I love that. So, so talk to me a little bit, Derek, about how you begin to understand people's motivations and value system, maybe without asking directly or when you can't ask directly. Or for instance, in your situation, when you're doing detective work and they actually probably want to give you nothing. So they're trying hard to not let you see what those things are. How do you uncover these things when it's indirect or even adverse? Right. So I, I like to try to create like a visual. So the way I would look at it is if you're the manager of a company, right, and you have a team that you're leading and you know each individual makes up the success of that organization, you have to approach each person as an as a moving part of the vehicle, right? So let's say we're talking to someone, like I said, that we're having a conversation with them on a daily basis over that time period by communicating with them. And again, it's all about communication. You have to open your ears and you have to open your eyes and listen to the feedback that you're receiving from them when you ask them questions and make it more than just about work. Because be, let's be honest here, even though your job is not to be a therapist or a doctor, some a lot of the times the, the experiences and the the environment outside of the workplace will have a direct impact on your employee's performance, right? So 
even though it may not be our, in our job description, it's important to understand the motivating factors outside the workplace, whether it's getting to their children's you know, sporting event, whether it's you know, getting home to pick up your kids from school, whatever it may be for that individual. If you understand the dynamics of their life outside of the workplace, you can better gear yourself towards dealing with them in a way that's going to be effective and efficient because they're going to be responsive to what you have to say. So what I'll say is, if I have two individuals One's a, you know, a single woman who is young and ambitious and her main motivations are, you know, promotion, um, acknowledgement and monetary gain. I'm going to put her in a position to achieve those goals. So I'm going to frame things and give her assignments and delegate responsibilities that are in line with what motivates her. And the way I gauge if whether that's working or not is by her physical responses and her verbal responses. You can tell if you speak to someone long enough and you take the time to get to learn them, what is normal behavior for them and what is abnormal behavior for them. So if I have someone who is constantly, you know, upright, exciting, uh, talks fast, you know, is always in my face, wants, you know, is inquisitive. And then suddenly when I give her an assignment, she, you know, she, her, she's, she's bladed away from me. Her eyes are down at her page. She's not making eye contact. Her tone is very low. She's giving me short answers. That may sound like something simple, but if it's not in line with what's usually her behavior, I have to identify it. I have to be conscious of it because she's telling me something without saying a word. Yes. And you can make, a, you can make adjustments based on that to better. So now knowing that feedback, I can make adjustments to get her back on board, to find out what the issue is and to adjust and adapt my approach to get her back in line with where I need her to be. And although I'm doing it for her, I'm also doing it for me. But the way you are successful is framing it in a way where she doesn't realize that. That's not being manipulative or persuasive. You just want to make it enticing for them because if you are an effective leader, you will know that having them be motivated by what you're asking them to do will only benefit the entire team. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we're all capable of picking up on those cues, right? But a lot of times we're moving so fast um, and, and we're so kind of self-absorbed with what we're trying to accomplish that we're not taking the time to assess those things and really pay attention to them, right? Right. We're talking about basic interpersonal communication. And I think in a lot of cases, that is something that's overlooked because now in society, we expect, hey, listen, you're getting paid, do your job. Mm-hmm, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And that's fine. And it may work. Uh, because people don't want to get fired. So it may work. But if you're trying to reach the maximum capabilities of each individual and ultimately the maximum capability of the entire organization, you have to find ways of dealing with people as individuals, as difficult as it may be. And that may be delegating responsibilities to mid-managers and lower managers so that they can handle that as well because you can't do everyone if you're the CEO of a a company with 10,000 employees. But you can develop an environment, an ecosystem, where that is the behavior that is condoned and expected by everyone who's in charge of other people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes total sense. So, Derek, where do you think are some of the biggest misses um, in in people's personal lives that, you know, we we could and should be applying these things that you teach in the book that we don't? (laughs) There's a lot, but I'll hit on one that's kind of interesting that a lot I've been getting a lot of feedback on. And it's called, you, you have the right to remain silent, but listen. That's one of the chapters. <laughs> okay. um, and and the, the exact name of it is exercise your right to remain silent, but listen. And the reason why, again, it's a play on words with law enforcement, but I've been to numerous interrogation schools. And regardless of what school I've gone to, one of the most key components of you know extracting the information that you need is, believe it or not, silence. Mm-hmm. And when people start reading this chapter, they're like, this is a little odd, but 
it's something that I've done for a very long time. It's in numerous techniques like the Reed Institute and all that stuff. So applying this method really proven to be successful in my life and anyone else who's taken the time to do it, like, dude, it actually works. So basically the technique is this, and it's super simple. We as human beings are programmed to respond to dialogue, right? If you're, if I'm talking right now, you're listening. And then when I get done speaking, you're going to say something back. And that's your way of acknowledging that not only you heard what I said, but you're satisfied with my answer, right? Even during this interview right now, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. However, However, even though I know the technique, if you ask me a question and I give you a response and you don't immediately respond, it creates a psychological awkwardness for me because I feel like I haven't satisfied your question. Right. And what the, and what the natural response for me to do is, is, is to elaborate, is to continue. Where is, this, where is this important? It's important in everything, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with your children, whether it's with an employee. It's way, it helps you solve group conflict. It can help you get more information out of a client. It can help you find out a better understanding of what's going on with someone you care about. What I found in my life experience using this technique, and again, I'm not talking 30 seconds of silence. It's a momentary pause of one to three seconds. And what it does is it forces the person to continue speaking. And what I found is in many cases, the next words out of their mouth are, mouth are usually the most important. So it's something that, again, it doesn't cost you anything to use it except maybe looking a little awkward, but the amount of information that you can extract by giving that employee or that person that you're dealing with an opportunity to fully explain themselves, it really can be beneficial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I, I definitely see it. And I think that uh, I, I can't wait to read that chapter of the book. I'm staring at it right now because uh, <laughs> that's fascinating and I see it. I mean, for sure. In so well, how, many different many areas, people, right? Yeah, well, how many people How many people jump right on when somebody finishes talking? You know, I see young investigators do it where you'll ask someone where they were and they'll say, oh, you know, I was at my friend's house on Butler Ave. And okay, thank you. And they'll go on to the next question. I'm like, dude, wait a second. Let them mm-hmm. finish because what happens is if you go, uh-huh, and you just keep writing, they'll say, I was there from about 6 to 9 p.m. and then I left. Well, okay, now it went from an alibi to an opening. Just like that, because now where were you after 9 p.m.? But again, the rookie mistake is that you jump right on their first answer and you just roll with it. And a lot of times you can miss really important information. Wow. Okay. That is so amazing. All right. Give me one more. Okay. What's a good one? A good technique. Okay. This is something that, again, there's a lot of variables to this, but I'll give you one more. It's called, there's a section called the eyes of the window to the truth. And what we do in an interrogation, again, is we look for body language, but we're not looking for one individual thing. Anyone, this is a spoiler alert for all of your listeners, anyone who comes on this show or says anything anywhere, that one single behavioral trait is, a, is an indication of something 100% of the time is an absolute liar. <laughs> They're an absolute liar, the full of shit. So do not listen to them because everyone is different. Something I display in my normal behavior may in most cases be a sign of deception, but in my case, it's normal. So again, with every single individual, I don't care who it is, you have to develop your own personal baseline for that individual. And based on that baseline, you'll come up with a series of things. Again, we talked about this a little while ago. What characteristics about their body language are normal for them and what they found with the eyes. And this is a little cool thing here, and it's not for everyone, but you have two sides of your brain. The right side and the left side. The right side is the creative. The left side is the logical, right? Well, in an interrogation or even in an interview, some people, if they're anxious and they're conjuring up a sound or sight, 
will look off to the right side of their head. Why are they doing that? They're creating that sight or sound instead of pulling it from memory. And if they're pulling from memory, something that they actually saw or heard, they would look to their left. Mm. Now, again, that's not for everyone, but there is scientific information out there that's suggestive. That is a trait of deception. So I will use that in conjunction with hand gestures, posture, feet tapping, inflection in their voice to create a profile of whether this person is being honest with me or not. But the eye is a very fascinating one because the eyes don't lie. And a lot of people forget what their eyes are doing when they're speaking. And it can be a real strong indicator of what someone's real agenda is. Oh, so interesting. So good. So, so good. Um, So Derek, (laughs) let's tell everybody a little bit about where to go get the book. I want people listening to go get their copy of The Undercover Edge. And then I want to talk a little bit about what's next for you. So where do you want our listeners to head to to get their copy? Uh, Well, I mean, you know, Amazon.com is always the big one, right? But if you want to support uh, all the big box stores, it's there as well. Books a Million, Barnes and Noble, you can go into those stores and buy it. Um, And it's also available on Target and Walmart, basically everywhere. If you want to support your independent bookstores, they have it as well. Just call ahead of time because I know probably not every store has them. Um, But I guess the big one for the most easy accessibility, if you want audio or Kindle or iTunes, you can go on Amazon or Apple.com and they have it. And uh, um, you can also order it right through my site, officialderek.com. So that'll, that'll bring you to the Amazon link. And the only thing I'll ask is if you check out the book, you know, and you like it, please review it. Because as you know, the biggest thing is the message being spread by the readers, right? So I can get up here and I can tell you everything about the book, but how biased am I, right? Mm -hmm. It's hearing the experiences and the lessons that are learned from the readers that will actually help other people decide whether or not the book's right for them. Yeah, that is awesome. So you guys go get your cover of The Undercover Edge. Fascinating stuff here, Derek. Thank you so much. Um, no, tell me you. a little bit about what's next for you and, and where, you, where you're going from here in 2018. Well, I, I mentioned it already. Uh, you know, the funny thing about the book, I got the show coming out April 15th, which is I'm extremely excited about. We just finished filming. We're actually wrapping up promotion for it as far as you, you guys will see like the promotional posters and we're going to be doing a digital series. And it'll, like I said, I'll be preparing April 15th. Extremely excited about that. But as far as the book's concerned, you never know with this, right? You're in this field too. You write a book, you hope it hits, it resonates with people. I put my heart and soul to it. But the, the truth is you could put your heart and soul to a book and still have it suck, right? So the bottom line is, you know, having the reception that I'm getting from the book and people hearing and hearing how people have used what I've talked about in the book to their own benefit has been extremely gratifying for me. And what I found is I just did a finished a book tour. I did a nationwide book tour and I spoke at every event and really people resonated with that. They really liked hearing about the book and hearing these personal experiences coming from me. So I started to do some speaking engagements and I got a few coming up at a, uh, I got one coming up at San Diego State University next month. That's kind of really been the new thing that I'm doing that I really enjoy sitting in front of people talking about the book and talking about the techniques, just like you and I are talking and, and getting to meet these people one-on-one because again, I'm, I'm, I'm promoting personal experience and understanding those around you. I might as well live it as well. I love it. Derek, you are doing some fantastic work. I love everything that you shared here today. I'm really excited for you for the new show coming out, the speaking and all the success that I know the book's going to have. So uh, thank you so much for being here. Kelly, the pleasure is all mine. Thank you. 
All right. To all my listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio, I know you got immense value out of everything that Derek just shared with us here today. Think about one entrepreneur that you care about that could get value out of what we talked about here today and pass this episode along with them. Remember, sharing is caring. Until next time, (laughs) remember, dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Unstoppable Success Radio. And if you're not already a member of my private email community, I want you to text the word IGNITE to 44222. Text the word IGNITE to 44222 to get all the resources, trainings, swipe files, and tips I only share there. If you're not already a member, all you have to do is text IGNITE to 44222 to get in on all the action. Thanks so much.